All right, we're going to uh, pray and uh, get started. Heavenly Father, we, we love you. Lord, again, we uh, want to thank you for gathering us here today. Thank you for bringing us here safely and giving us this time together. And Lord, um, as we consider uh, your word tonight, the truth of your word, we ask that you grant to us understanding. Lord, help us to uh, work uh, through these things that we're considering and, and uh, rightly apply them. Uh, all the things that we've talked about today or this morning in Sunday school and uh, out here, Lord, help us to uh, be able to recall the things that we need to recall and, and uh, again, apply them to our lives uh, by your power and grace. Use it all for your glory and honor, we pray. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to mention uh, or do a couple things before we uh, resume our our study tonight on uh, on church leadership. First of all, I'm going to give you. I always want to give you opportunity for questions, just in case something arises um, when I'm speaking. So, so if you have any questions on what I talked about this morning, um, I want to uh, I want to give you opportunity for that. But before I do that, I mean, you can be thinking about if you got questions or not, but or comments. Um, before I do that, I want to mention this. Um, we have uh, for a long time talked about a uh, trip to Mexico. Talked about that for over a year now, as a matter of fact. So we're we're we're, we're rapidly getting things in place now. So I want to I want to give you the information I've got on that, and there'll be more detail coming. Um, I know there's not not many of us here tonight, but it, but if any of you here are interested in going. Um, you, you have to have a passport, and 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 all that'll have to be done pretty quick because because we're looking at going in in the first of April. Um, so, um, so if you're interested in going, please let me know. Uh, if you're not interested in going but you want to, which I'm going to try to do this anyway, but but if you want to get all the information, you know, just in other words, you want to keep up with it and you want to know what's going on. Please let me know, and I'll and I'll pass everything on to you. I'm gonna give you what I know right now uh, tonight, but uh, but if you want to be updated, we'll we'll keep you updated on details um, as we as we get them uh, because we're, we we uh, those of us who are planning to go will covet your prayers. All right. Um, now, good news, bad news. Here's kind of the bad news. I I, uh, I guess you might say, but um, the the way it's working out, uh, Lord willing. Uh, if if uh, everything goes as planned, we'll actually be gone Easter weekend, Resurrection Day weekend. Here here's the plan, and the plan is to uh, the tentative plan is to fly out Tuesday, March 31st, and the flight home would be uh, Monday, April the 6th, and. Uh, uh, Easter, which again I prefer to call Resurrection Day, but uh, is uh, is very early this year. It's in, it's the first weekend in April. But Tuesday, March 31st through Monday, um, April the 6th. And uh, in the discussions that we've had so far with Jim McCarty, um, he, what we're probably going to be doing is he's got one of the villages down there that uh, they have where they've started a Bible study and they're getting some response. Uh, and he said they're not Christians. The, 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 it's a, the ladies, uh, it's a ladies' group is what it is. His wife is doing a Bible study, 
And um, he said she's getting some good response. And, and he said, and they're not Christians. You know, these are people that need to come to Christ. So that's, you know, that's great. It's awesome. But anyway, he said they had been thinking for some time that they might go into that little village and do a, a vacation Bible school. So what the plan is right now is that we would, we would go into that little village, and I don't even know the name of it at this point, but uh, the, the name of the town where Jim is is, is Magonia, Magonia, Mexico, or uh, Mexico, okay? So <laughs> uh, get used to saying it right, I guess, in case, uh, Lord willing, if we go, we want to, we want to say it right, right? So, um, so that's the plan for now, go into this little village and, and do a vacation Bible school for probably, whatever, four or five days. Um, one reason the way that it's timed the way it is is because that's their spring break, and and so that's that was the time that he suggested would be the best for us to come uh, while while they're on spring break, kids out of school and all that kind of thing. So, um, Lord willing, like I say, what we what we have tentative tentatively planned right now is to fly out, uh, and we haven't made flight arrangements yet. I got to be checking into that. <coughs> so, like I say, this is all tentative and. But uh, to fly out Tuesday, March 31st, from, uh, from here, fly into Veracruz, which is on the, on the coast, on the Gulf side, uh, coast down there. And then it's about a, my understanding is it's about a five-hour drive from, from Veracruz down to uh, Magonier. Uh, so um, Jim and his uh, brother-in-law and father-in-law would, would meet us at Veracruz and drive us down. And then that following Monday, drive us back to Veracruz uh, for the trip home. So uh, I'm trying to make sure I'm thinking of everything here. So that's, that's the plan so far. March 31st through April 6th. Um, and again, if, 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 uh, if anybody's interested in going, just let me know. And, and, and even if you can't go but you want all the details, let me know. We'll try to keep you updated, which, like I say, I'm going to try to do anyway. But just, just in case, uh, you know, you, 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 you feel like you're missing something, let me know. Hey, hey, what's the latest on the, on the trip? What, what have you all got worked out? Because um, we, we definitely are going to be coveting prayers, all right? Um, so far, it's, it's, of course, Leslie and myself and Jordan and Tiffany. And uh, my son, Daniel, has talked about going, which would be good since he speaks Spanish. But, uh, um, and he's already um, has a relationship anyway with Jim's brother-in-law. Uh, they've known each other from before but, uh, because they used to be up here at Springs of Grace. Uh, Jim's brother-in-law, yeah, his brother-in-law, I think it is. So anyway, Daniel uh, has talked about going, but that's not, that's not definite. But but uh, but it may be he he may be included as well. So uh, y'all keep us in prayer on that as we uh, as we iron out the details and and also as we uh, help us pray about what precisely to do um, uh, there. You know, uh, Jim uh, uh, he, he's asked me to preach in their church and and other than that, you know, it's it's uh, it's outreach. So in the in the village out there, so. I think that's all I know so far. I think, but now these and y'all, those of you that were you know here probably remember this. But um, I mean, and you heard Jim speak, you remember this. But in, in those villages, 
you know, they're very poor villages, and, and uh, most of them, they have, like, their, uh, their own languages they speak. Uh, Jim's wife speaks. Her, her, their family is uh, Mihe, and, and Jim has been learning Mihe since he's been down there. Jim speaks fluent Spanish, but all the people around there don't speak Spanish. You know, Spanish is, is, a, is a second language for a lot of those folks. They have their own tribal languages. Um, so I think where he is, the, the town that he, that he has his medical practice in, I think they pretty much all speak Spanish, but in the in the outlying villages, um, these are Indians and they and they speak you know different dialects, different languages. So I think it's one of those where he's talking about taking us. So I don't know if they're going to be Spanish speakers or 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 not, but uh, which you know doesn't matter to me I guess because I don't speak Spanish either. So uh, you know whether it's Mihe or Spanish or something else, uh, but uh, uh, except for you know things like. Taco, burrito, I can say those, but, but, uh, <laughs> baños, I know, I know how to say bathroom, you know, that's, that's, that's an important one, <laughs> assuming there is one, yeah, <laughs> all right, um, but yeah, yeah, we will, we'll, we'll, we'll take donations, absolutely, um, Jim, uh, and just so you know, brother, uh, the guy that, that is, is hosting us is a, is a doctor, he's a medical doctor, so he has a practice there in Magonia. And uh, uh, he's, he's a missionary. I mean, he went there. He, he married. Uh, his wife is from there. And when they married, they, they moved down there. And uh, so he's, he has a med- medical practice there. But at the same time, he's working on, uh, along with his, with his in-laws, he's working on translating the Bible um, into Mihe. Uh, and, uh, you know, he pastors a church there, he and his father-in-law. And uh, so anyway... So they're rooted. I mean, they're there. So, so we're just trying to support uh, what they're what they're doing, you know, and which is the way to do it on short-term stuff, because um, they're they're there 24/7, year-round, and and God opening doors. Praise the Lord. Any, any other questions on that? Say it again. Magonia. M O G O. N E, but you know that N is really a N <laughs> in Spanish, so it's got like an N Y sound. Magonia. M O G O N E, and it's uh, kind of in the center of. Uh, that's not when 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 Mexico goes down and then turns, you know, goes straight across, turns, looks horizontal. When you're looking at the map, I mean, it goes down, looks like looks horizontal. Kind of in the center of that, yeah, south of Veracruz. Uh, like I say, he said it was about a five-hour drive from Veracruz in the mountains. Yeah, yeah, on that, on that, on that stretch across there. Yeah, that's right. Okay. There are what? <clears throat> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he did say that. He said some of them had moved, actually moved in the area, um, homesteading. You know that he hadn't he hadn't known of any trouble, but they were living there. Supposedly, you know, and it sounds crazy, doesn't it? But you know, he, he was saying they they some of them have come there to raise families because there's not as much junk going on there. They do the same thing here. You know, there was there was one in the news a while back uh, uh, that they arrested. I, he was one of the major Mexican 
cartel lord struggling, and, you know, and he was living up in Iowa or somewhere, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah. Or Illinois, or I forget where it was, Iowa, Illinois, something like that, Ohio. Yeah, anyway. All right, so yeah, y'all keep us in prayer on that as we uh, <coughs> as we try to work out the the details. Um, all right, any, any questions from this morning? Okay, well, let's do this. Let's go to First Timothy chapter three, and the last um, several weeks we've been talking on Sunday nights. We've been talking about uh, um, church leadership specifically the office of elder or pastor. Um, so, so tonight I want to, and, and we read um, the qualifications for elders here in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. So tonight I want to um, go ahead and, and deal with the, uh, the qualifications for deacon yeah, and, and talk a little bit about the office of, uh, of uh, deacon. And, one, of course, one of the, one of the major points I want to make here is that that word means servant. Servant, deacon. Deacon is really uh, uh, a, what we call a transliteration. It's a, it's a Greek word that has been brought over into the English without, without translating it. But if you translate it, it, it you would use servant. And a lot, a lot of, uh, um, um, yeah, in the Old King James, a lot of times it's, it's trans, it's, they use the term minister, but, but I think in the... In our modern uh, world, you know, and, and the way we use that term, that that's that's not a good translation, because um, what what uh, at least in the verb form, you know, they they talk about ministering. It would be the, the 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 verb form, but a lot of times what that does in our heads, you know, we automatically think of some kind of. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I was. If you say something like "I was ministering to uh, to so and so," automatically in your head, probably at least at least I do, you, you get this connotation of some kind of spiritual thing, right? You know, I was I was I was ministering to Sister So and So. Well, what you you know, uh, okay, I, you must have been sitting down reading the Bible to her or, or telling her about uh, you know how great God is or something like that. But that's not the way the word's used in the, in the Scripture. To, to minister would be what Martha was uh, was doing. Uh, she, when you know when she was serving, she was doing the, the kitchen work, and she was complaining because Mary wasn't helping serve ministry. Um, so that's that's the what you know the actual meaning of it is is more. It's just the idea of service, service, and it's it's used there. It's used when uh, Jesus um, refers to himself as a servant. The Son of Man came not to be served. But to serve, not to, not to to um, be um, deked, I guess you would say, but to deek, you know, to, to to be to not to be served, but to serve. All right, so so that's the idea. It's a servant, and the term deacon, as I said, is just a transliteration, and uh, and, and what has happened with it is it it's kind of gotten. Um, Elevated, I guess, in, in meaning, and I think it causes a lot of a lot of uh, misunderstanding. So every every time you you see that, think sir, servant. If it's a noun, you know, think servant. And and I'll show you some places where the verb is used. And of course, then they have to translate it using a word like uh, either serve or minister, but it means to serve. 
All right, so, so we're talking about here then a servant. Now, here, here's another problem that comes into play. The old King James will, will use a phrase something like, um, oh, let me see. It's, it's going to be at the end of this passage. Um, yeah, verse 13. For those who serve well, well, even, even the ESV does it here. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing. Well, serve well, at least in my opinion, my, uh, I, I, I think it would have been good if they just used that because we're not, we're, there's not another word here like serve well as servant. It's just the idea of those who serve well gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in faith that is in Christ. Or some, as I was going to say a moment ago, some will use a a phrase something like the the office of deacon or something like that. Um, But just remember, um, it's it's not a... a, um, it's not an office in the sense of, here, this gets kind of sticky, and that's why I'm trying to word it right. It's, it's, it's not a, uh, it, it, it could be considered an office, but we have to understand that, that what, we, what we're really talking about is just a function within the church, all right? Not an office in the sense of some kind of governing authority. And a lot of times that is the way that it's taken. But a lot of times uh, um, when people are talking about Baptist distinctives, for example, uh, they'll, they'll say, you know, uh, well, and this is not this is not um, strictly a Baptist distinctive. There, are, I guess, some other denominations would say this as well. But they'll say in the New Testament there are two offices in the local church: pastor or elder, like we've been using the term elder, pastor and deacon. But what we're saying there is really is is, is meaning function. There there are functions um, of leadership are. Service, leadership, or service. Pastor, elder would be a function of leadership um, in terms of, of um, trying not to cloud the issue. But even that's a even that's a term of service. But it but it has to do with serving the word primarily, right? All right. So where this is um, a little bit different kind of service. It's more uh, in terms of physical needs. All right. So let's go through the. I'll, I'll try to, uh, you know, unpack some of that as we talk about it. Um, but let, let's go ahead and go through the um, qualifications. And one of the things you'll, you'll notice here uh, as far as qualifications for servant in the local church, they do not differ greatly from the, those of, of elder that you got right above them in verses 1 through 7. Uh, and I mentioned before, we'll see who remembers this, uh, what's the main distinction in terms of, in terms of these qualifications that Paul lists? What is something that he requires for an elder that he does not require for a deacon? Teaching, amen. And you'll you'll see that. In fact, uh, just to show you where it is in in regard to uh, elder, it's back in verse two, the last part of verse two, able to teach. That is the pastor, elder. Overseers, the term he used here, but all those are synonymous. But he has to be able to teach. Our old King James says, apt to teach. Um, so he's got he's to have the ability to do that and the desire to do that. You're not going to see that in the qualifications for servant. It's not required. So that's one of the distinctions. Okay, verse 8. Deacons. Remember, think servant. Servant. 
Servants, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let the servants be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own household well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. All right, so you, you see, even um, with the office of, of service, deacon, um, there, there are, well, one, one way of looking at it, I guess you could say, high standards. But then again, everything there is pretty much what's really required of every Christian, right? So, so, so it is high standards, but... Um, all, all, all Christians are held to, to high standards. We, we, we have the command, be holy as I am holy. So, so, so they're not really, and we said this about the, the qualifications for elder as well, um, they don't really stand out in one sense, because you read through there and you think, well, wait a minute, shouldn't every Christian be like this? And the answer is yes, yes. But if they're going to serve in a in a public capacity, official capacity, I guess you could say, in a local church, um, then these things have to characterize their life. And again, notice, just like we, we talked about with the, with the elders, what the Apostle Paul zeroes in on here is character. Remember a few years ago, it's been more than a few years ago, but when certain things were going on, um, in the Oval Office, and, and this question was going all through the media, uh, uh, or, or this phrase was going all through the media, character matters, character matters. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people were making that argument, character matters. Well, certainly, certainly it matters, and certainly for Christians and for churches, for Christian churches and for Christian leadership, um, it is of the utmost importance. So uh, it's, it's just something to notice there. Paul, do, Paul doesn't zero in on particular gifts other than, again, with, with, um, with the elder, they must be able to teach. But where all the emphasis is, is on character. Character. He doesn't say they have to be, uh, you know, good with uh, finances. He doesn't say they have to be good speakers. He doesn't say they have to be good um, people persons in the way that we tend to think about it or, or you know, charismatic personalities. What he zeroes in on is character. And it's the same is true, as we just saw here, same is true of deacons. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, first of all, not double-tongued. And I've got an a alternate translation here that says devious in speech. So not devious in speech. So um, their life, conduct, mannerism, um, is, is characterized by dignity, not by 
um, malicious speech or devious speech. They're not double-tongued. They're not backbiters. They're not gossips. They're not, goes on, not addicted to much wine. So, in other words, not a drunkard, right? Not, that's, like I say, that's one of those that you look at and you go, <laughs> shouldn't that be true of every Christian? Yes, all of these should be. Um, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. In other words, they're, they're not just after uh, money. Or they're not swindling anybody. Not in the, in the uh, ministry, or in this case, the, the, uh, the diaconate, the, the service uh, of the church. They're not, they're not here to, to, uh, for financial gain, doing what they do for financial gain. You know, it's like, well, this is an easy job or whatever. I'll, uh, this is a good way to make a living. I'll, I'll do this. <clears throat> not swindling anybody. And they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And, and that's uh, uh, good as well. You've got to have sincere, sincerity, sincere Christian who understands the faith. Um, hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And again, this is something that should be true of, of every Christian, but... but uh, but it must characterize those who, who are set aside to serve the local body. And let them also be tested first. So Paul says there should be a trial period before they, are, uh, before them, before they serve as deacons. That, that, by the way, I think I should point out is, is another evidence. Um, sometimes people think, why have these at all? If if we if we just if we just had folks that just kind of get stuff done, you know, they see something that needs to be done and they do it, or whatever, you know. In other words, somebody's taking care of cutting the grass. Somebody's taking care of, of uh, seeing that the bills get paid. Somebody's um, making sure the elect- that the electric bill gets paid or whatever. Why why do we need deacons? Well, um, I think this is this is probably another place where we can see that what Paul has in mind here, as he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that the local church has servants who are recognized and appointed. One of the, one of the criteria he gives here is they've they got to first be tested. All right, so that's going to rule out just anybody just kind of just jumping up and doing something. And, and I'm not saying, by the way, that people shouldn't take initiative. I mean, it's great when people take initiative and do things. But I'm just saying, in addition to that, you, you've got to have people who are set aside by the, by the body, by the church, appointed, recognized as servants of the church. Because when they are doing these things, when they are doing whatever capacity it is, um, serving food like they were doing in Acts chapter 6, uh, you know, maybe helping meet the needs of the poor or something like that, whatever it is that they're doing, even if it's cutting the grass, um, there's a sense in which they are representing the local church. And they are serving the local church in, in, in the sense that... Um, that they are, are are catering to their needs, right? So 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 he's he's looking for people of good character uh, to avoid any kind of uh, problems. Did did you have a comment or a question? Yeah. At one point, you know, Moses. Um, I don't, I'm just getting back to the elder thing for a minute here. Um, Moses' father-in-law saw all the people coming to Moses. And just from from daylight to dusk, and and they would come with with whatever it was they needed, you know, their complaint or whatever it was they needed him to judge between. 
And this went on day after day, all day long. And, and Jethro, um, not Bodine, by the way, just, <laughs> no, well, no confusion there. <laughs> and Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, said, you know, what are you, what are you doing? He said, appoint men to, to help you in this task and share the burden. And so uh, Moses followed that advice, his father-in-law's advice. There's, there's a lesson right there, right? Listen to your father-in-law. Listen to your in-laws. <laughs> God bless that. So Moses followed his father-in-law's advice and appointed elders and, they, and delegated authority and they divided up the responsibility and, and, uh, and then that's the way it was from then on. So even when you get to Jesus' time, you know, um, 4,000 years later, whatever it is, you get to Jesus' day, they still have elders in the, in the community, uh, in the Jewish community operating. So uh, that's, that's the way it stayed after that point. So, yeah, very good. God, it, the Lord's always done that. And, and, uh, and as you just pointed out, uh, even, even the, uh, with the assistants, you know, Mo- Moses also had um, Joshua... And, uh, and Aaron and so forth. So, yeah, there, there's always... I'm not saying that all that, that comes across directly, but, 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 but you see similarities there. And you can see that, uh, that the Lord used uh, at least similar structure in what, what we see here. And it just makes sense, you know, from a practical standpoint. Okay. Um, let them be tested first, then let them serve as deacons. If they prove themselves blameless, so again, see, he's holding them to a, to, in terms of character, he's holding them to a high standard. They need to be tested first, proven blameless, and then they can serve. Because again, this this is a a, a recognized church appointed function. So if you're going to represent the church, you, you want somebody in that position that that is going to represent you faithfully, uh, and not bring reproach on the. Uh, on the church, or more importantly, on Christ. In verse 11, <clears throat> their wives likewise must be dignified. Now, this is interesting. I wanna, I'm going to come back to this later, uh, Lord willing, but I'm just going to throw this out here now, and, and, and you can, uh, for, for consideration, um, let me find something real quick, and then, and then I'll come back to it. The term wives here, in uh, in verse eleven, their wives also must be dignified. Now, now the 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 translators in this case have to make a decision because the term there is just women, women. So so here's the here's the deal. You you you've got to ask. Okay, is he would, would that be properly translated women? In other words, does Paul have in mind their women deacons? Deaconesses. So it would translate this way. Deaconesses, deaconesses you, could, you could say, and, and that word's not used. I'm just, I'm just doing this for explanation. It just says women. But, but, if, but if that's the right way to understand it, it would, it would mean women in that sense. Women who serve as deacons, deaconesses. They also must be dignified. He's saying they've they got to be held to the same standard, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Now, um, some folks are going to 
argue against that using verse 12 and say, uh, well, in verse 12 he goes on to say, uh, let the deacons be husband and one wife, and, uh, you know, he's obviously not referring to women. But I think it's also possible that there he is just coming, returning back to their male counterparts. In other words, he could be saying women, meaning women deacons, women deacons also must be dignified, not slanderous, but sober-minded, faithful in all things, and then going back to uh, uh, using the male terminology, he says deacons must be the husband of one wife managing their children and their own household well, because he is obviously here talking about men. Uh, for, for those who, who serve well as deacons, gain a good understanding, gain a good standing for themselves, and also great confidence in the faith. I think, or, or at least I'm, I'm just offering this as a possibility, it may be that he's just, in verse 12, he's just returning to um, masculine terminology. So, so he's going back and forth, in other words. He says, let, let the women also be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. And then goes back to um, men, let deacons be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a reason that, to me, it's not that easy to, uh, to decide, uh, and to a lot of other people as well. Okay, in Romans chapter 16... I'm not trying to be confusing here, but I'm just trying to be honest with you here because there, there are a couple of different ways to, to take these things. Romans chapter 16, verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Sincrea. Now, how did I say earlier uh, we, should, we should translate deacon? Servant, servant. All right. This is the case where they've done that because the Greek word there is actually deacon or deaconess is the, the feminine form. I, I commend to you our servant, our sister, Phoebe, a deaconess of the church at Sincrea. So if Phoebe um, was a servant, a deaconess, in, a, in an official capacity, and there again, I'm not, not trying to confuse anybody. I'm just being honest with you um, because there's also two ways to take this. Was she a deaconess in an official capacity or did he just mean she's been a servant to the church? In other words, she, she has served the church, which any one of us could do that, right? I mean, you know, we, in other words, you, you can mean it in an official sense. She was appointed by the church to be a deaconess or you could mean it, he could mean it, just that, she was. Uh, she served the church. She served the church well. She had a servant's heart, and so she, she served the church. It's 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 a, as I said, it's a hard thing to decide. But if Paul meant here that she was a deaconess in in an official capacity, then probably in First Timothy three, when he says women also must be dignified, he's he's probably meaning women deacons rather than wives of the deacons there. But on the other hand, um, if, it's, if it would be correct to say that, that um, only men could serve as 
deacons in the church as, as official servants appointed, appointed by the church and for the service of the church. If that were correct, then Phoebe couldn't have been a deaconess and, uh, in an official capacity, and, and Paul must have just meant that she just, she just served the church. You know, not, an, not in an official capacity, but she just had a servant's heart, and she served her church in Syncria. So, which is correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, verse 3, greet Prisca and Aquila. And Prisca, or Priscilla, she definitely was. I mean, you know, we know uh, that she, uh, I say definitely was, I mean, definitely was more, more than, she was involved in, in, in teaching the gospel, all right, with... Um, it was uh, Priscilla and her husband Aquila who taught um, Barnabas the way of the Lord more perfectly. Right now, um, so they probably, you know, took Barnabas to Starbucks, and uh, and, and so, you know, I mean, in other words, what I'm saying is I don't think Priscilla was a pastor I mean, because that, that was not allowed. I mean, Paul ruled that out. So yeah, they probably took Barnabas to. You know, one of the towns, Lystra, you know, I don't remember which ones they were with him in, but they, they found a Starbucks and they went and sat down and uh, they said, look, uh, we want to help you understand better Christianity. But, but all joking aside, Priscilla was involved with that. It was Priscilla and Aquila. So, so she, she, she served um, in a, in a uh, uh, I told you earlier, a lot of times when we use the word minister, we're, we're thinking along those lines. Well, she did, she did work uh, uh, along those lines. What you got? Was it Apollos? Okay, Apollos then. Yeah. Apollos was, um, uh, he's the one that, that Luke refers to as eloquent, yeah, and mighty in the Scriptures. And, but, but he had to be, um, in terms of Christianity, because you know, he's got that in terms of, of Old Testament, uh, what, what, what we, in terms of Judaism, what we call Old Testament, but in terms of Christianity, he had to be, he had to be, um, you know, straightened out on some things. And we're not told precisely what, but but anyway, we know Priscilla and Aquila were both involved with that. All right, so so I mean, it just uh, it it seems logical to me. It, it seems it seems to me that you 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 find in Scripture. Um, and like I say, I, don't, I, I can't you know spend too much time on it here, but I do want to come back to it later. But but um, women, and this, this is the thing. A lot of times when you say that a, a woman cannot hold the office of pastor, which I do believe, by the way, I, mean, I think the scripture is clear on that. Women cannot, should not, cannot be pastor. But and a lot of times when you say those kinds of things, people think, well, what you're saying is you know women can't be uh, involved in the ministry at all. No, 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 no. We're not saying that at all. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, they were very involved. They were very involved in Jesus' ministry and involved in Paul's ministry, as we just saw in Romans 16 there. Uh, and, you know, involved in all the ministries of all the local churches, I, I assume. I mean, we, have, we have some record of that, just like in Romans. So, absolutely, they can be involved in the ministry. Um, so, um, can they be deacons or deaconesses is what it would be. It seems to me that the answer to that is, is yes, but as I just showed you, and I'm just like I said, I'm just trying to be honest with you, um, those passages can be taken different ways. 
Um, the term doulos is, is uh, translated servant a lot of times. It has a stronger meaning. It, it, it means slave, or sometimes it's translated bond servant. So Paul says, for example, I'm a, uh, he uses both to refer to himself, but, but when he says I'm a doulos of Jesus Christ, he's, he's saying I'm a slave. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ. So um, that one, there's uh, another verb that is used for, uh, uh, trying to say this without confusing because I've already said this uh, um, in, in, a, in a sort of a negative way. There, there's another verb that is used for ministry in terms of spiritual ministry, like, like specifically serving, if, if you think Old Testament, for serving in the temple. And, and that is used quite a bit. Um, and it's where we get our word liturgy. So if, you, if, you, if you've heard of liturgy or liturgical churches, like the Roman Catholic Church is liturgical, the Episcopal Church is liturgical, um, United Methodist, you know, Methodist Church is um, liturgical, Presbyterian Church is liturgical. You know, they, they have a, uh, traditionally they, they have a set order of things that they do and, and uh, say and so forth. All right, so, but that word, that's where that comes from. It, it's the idea of like serving spiritually, serving in the temple. Like you would say um, Old Testament priesthood, for example, would be a liturgical type of, of serving. So, so that, you know, I, I was trying to think. I don't, but I think that's just like strictly verb. It's a way of talking about serving, but not a servant. At least not that I know of. But here, yeah, here the term is in, in Romans 16. That's the term there is, is deacon. She's, she's a deaconess at the church at Sincrea. And, and so it's the same term that, that we're, we're looking at over here in 1 Timothy 3. That does not mean that it means exactly the same thing, as you know. Uh, but, but it is the same term. And so you have to at least ask the question, is, are we talking about the same thing? Is Paul talking about the same thing in Romans 16, 1? that he's talking about in 1 Timothy 3. Possibly, possibly. So a lot of churches today um, have deacons and deaconesses uh, appointed by the church in for the service of the church. And then to be honest with you, a lot of churches have them and just don't call them that. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. They're, they're, not, they're not officially appointed, and they're, and they're not, that terminology is not used, but they're doing the work. How can they not be? I mean, the church couldn't operate if, if things... It, 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 can, it, it can operate right, or it can operate wrong, but it can't not operate. I mean, if, if things are going, then, then somebody's doing the work. Whether, whether we're going about it the right way or the wrong way, somebody's doing it. Mm-hmm. You're right, yeah. Yeah, it was mostly women. And they did have a different... Um, no, that's, that's true. They also did have a different view on it, too. I mean, I mean, in other words, they, 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 they think that women can pastor. I mean, that that's okay. That that's scriptural. And of course, I disagree with them there. But, uh, uh, but yeah, they, they, they did. Yeah, I think there's a sense in which Every Christian is called to be a counselor. I mean, you know, we, we should be speaking the truth to one another in love. Um, 
encouraging one another, loving on one another. Uh, so absolutely. And, and Paul explicitly tells the older women to, to do what you're talking about with the younger women. Yeah, the older women are to instruct the younger women. And, and same way with men. Uh, the, the older men are to instruct the younger men, set examples for them. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just not in, not in a, an official capacity, you know, serving the, the local body. But, but yeah, in, in one-on-one relationships, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I've, in fact, I've heard guys say before, well, uh, God called, called uh, <clears throat> me to the pastor. He didn't call my wife. Well, um, that's true, technically. Um, in, in one sense, that is, that's true. But, but I, you've probably never heard me say that. Probably never will hear me say that. Uh, because in another sense, which I think is what you're saying, uh, it's a package deal, and uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I'd say she's just as called as I am, but yes, it, it you know it is to to a little. It, there's a difference in function. So it, so it, she she serves, we serve in a different capacity, but but every bit as 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 called um, to um, to serve the church. You know, so just just in a different capacity. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one reason, by the way, that what, what Sheila and I were talking about earlier, that was one reason that group taught that it was okay for women to pastor and all that because they that was one of the things they used to say. That they told me that when I was ordained. You, you, you know, you're ordained, your wife is ordained. Because you're one. You're one. Well, again, you know, and I wouldn't get in a big dispute over that, but I, but I, but I think in a sense that's correct. In one sense. In another sense, you know, somebody wants to say, "Well, she shouldn't be pastoring." Okay, that's I'm 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 with you there. That that's correct. She shouldn't be pastoring the church, but she is going to be pastoring um, in 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 some form. You know, just like Priscilla's doing in the scripture, going to be pastoring um, other women and children and so forth uh, to some degree. Hmm? Doing it right now, yeah. Doing it right now. That's right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I, I don't know how many times I've had people tell me I don't I don't have any gifts, <laughs> which which uh, usually you know in love I'll say something like that's hogwash, but um, uh, but in love. But I, I either hear that or I hear I don't know what my gifts are. But I think the way to approach that is not to not to try to figure out what is my gift or what are my gifts. Just the way to approach that is just how how can I serve the church? What can I do to to that that will encourage brother so and so or sister so and so or or what can I do to to help them in their walk with Christ? What can I how can I serve the body uh, in such a way that it'll it'll help build up the body? And that's all we got to do. When when we look for ways to do that, what's going to happen is your particular gifting will just manifest because it's because it's built into you. I mean, it's who God made you. Uh, so it's not going to look the same when you do it. It's not going to look the same as when I do it. Or when I do it, it's not going to look the same as when Pam does it or whatever, you know, because we're different individuals. But if we have that, that same goal, you know, how, just how can I help build up the church, then I guarantee your, your gift will manifest. You know, if you're seeking to do good to brothers and sisters in Christ, and to help them grow, help nurture them, uh, and encourage them. You're, and you still may not know what it is. I mean, you may be doing it. 
Because <laughs> like I say, some of the people that I've had tell me that. You know, I don't have any gifts. You know, I see it. Other people see it. They could tell them what their gift is, uh, you know, or, or more than one. But, uh, but you, you may not see it so clearly, but, you, but that's all right. You, you don't need to. You don't need to be able to fill out a survey and say, you know, my giftings are X, Y, Z. Uh, you just need to be able to function in them. And, and you will if you're seeking to do good. Amen. Yeah, one thing I definitely don't want to be misunderstood as saying is that, uh, that you know, everybody shouldn't be serving. In fact, just the opposite. Everybody should be serving. Uh, we're, I mean, we're talking about some specific types of serving here, but, but the Apostle, is certain, Apostle Paul is certainly not saying, uh, okay, past, uh, pastors and de- deacons serve and everybody else is just kind of uh, spectators. Not at all. That, that, in fact, you know, you read Romans 12, you read 1 Corinthians 12, and uh, you will find that he surely did not hold that view. Uh, we're all members of one body, and every member plays a part, plays a role. It's just that the roles are different. Different for men, different for women. Different, you know, the role of pastor is different. The role of deacon is different. They're, they're just different, but, but everybody um, plays a part in the body for the health of the body. He even says in some places that he put his spirit on them um, for that purpose. And that, that's, that is a, a perfect and it's not by mistake. I mean, that, that's a perfect uh, uh, picture. But, but that's what Paul uses in, in, in uh, Ephesians 4. He's using that language that she's talking about. He's pulling from that experience where God gifted individuals to build the tabernacle. And he's saying in Ephesians 4 that that's the way it is in the church. He gave gifts to men. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some, some pastor teachers... For the edification, the word edification means building up, for the building up of the saints, for the work, the old King James says work, but it's, the, it's our word deacon there, it's service, for the service, for the work of the service. All right, so, so he's gifted individuals in the church for the building up of the whole temple of God, the, the, the saints, the people of God, for the work of service. That is, in other words, so they can work and serve. He, he, he gives the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers so that they can train the people to serve. It's not so that they can serve while everybody watches, but so that they can train the people to serve. So that the whole church is built up. It's erected, just like the Old Testament tabernacle. And, and uh, you know, I mean, the language there in Ephesians 4, just it seems obvious that that's what Paul had in view. He was thinking of that when he wrote Ephesians 4. It's a perfect, perfect picture. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll, we'll dismiss. And I appreciate it. Enjoy the dialogue there. Father, we do thank you, Lord, again for your word. And again, ask for your help. Help us to discern these things. Some of the things we talked about tonight, there are different ways of understanding them. So, so Lord, uh, our main uh, goal is to honor you and do your will in these things. So we pray, Lord, give us, uh, give us understanding. Grant to us uh, that, we pray, and show us how, how to do things in, in ways that bring you the most honor. And it's for your honor and glory we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.